Hello and welcome to the For Parents Like You podcast. My name is Hilda Joy O'Connor and on this podcast we will be talking about all things to do with parenting. Being a parent is one of the most important roles you can ever play in the life of another human being. Let's be honest, there is nothing more fulfilling than to see our children grow up in love, compassion and empowerment. But the process of getting them to this stage can be very difficult. On this podcast, we will be discussing ways of how to equip parents like you and me to become more effective and purpose-driven. Thank you so much for joining me as we dive into today's episode. Welcome back. We have with us today, Hayley Early, who is a wife and a mother to three boys. Welcome, Hayley. Hi. Hi, it's great to be with you. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming to the show and just sharing your wisdom and your truth to help to encourage parents like myself. Now, Hayley, um, let's take it back a bit. I met Hayley in Guildford and my experience with you was just like, you're just such a lovable person and just very servant hearted. And I was also part of your team was the hospitality team, right? Or was it the children's team that you were in? Oh, I've done them all, my friend. You've done, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, James did the hospitality and I was doing kids. So yeah, you did kids church with me for a bit, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did kids, yeah. hospitality. Yes, yes. You and served a lot of places too, yeah. Yeah, but you guys taught me how to serve and you taught me the importance of serving And that has really helped to grow me. So I really value the time and the investment and the training that you guys um, poured on me and it has not gone to waste. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. My family, hey, we don't get to see each other often, but you know, I think, I think for us, investment in relationship has always been, you know, for, for my husband and I, it's always been super important. And just because people move on doesn't mean that they're gone from our you know we don't see them a lot but they're in our hearts and in our minds and and in our prayers so it's it's great to see you know people who've moved on and flourished really and it's you know that the seeds have grown and we get to be part of seeing you know something that we've sown flourish and you know we've never wanted to keep people here forever we wanted to see people kind of fly and and you guys have done that so it's, it's been great to be part of that journey with you Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. What is it like for you raising boys? Oh, well, (laughs) it's busy. It is busy. It's physically quite demanding, um, you know, chasing them around. And I have I have an age gap. So I've got an eight year old, a six year old and a toddler who's almost two. So um, it's hard work managing all of their different ages and all of their different needs um, at this point. You know, I find things like every now and again, it's just me and the two big ones and I'm out with them. And it's so much calmer and easier than having a toddler in tow. And then we have the toddler in tow and then it's really fun. It's just a different level. Um, And, you know, they're not boisterous boys. They're kind of, um, you know, they like learning. They like facts and information. So for me, I'm lucky because I don't have to do lots of football matches and lots of, you know, crazy running around. Um, that's That's a different level. but 
yeah I, I mean I don't know any different I don't have girls so um but you know I love it it's a real privilege to be raising boys um I see it as a real you know mission field to be raising you know, good solid Christian men for the future and I feel like that's a real calling for me to to raise godly men um and you know it starts it starts now that's right Wow. How are your boys together? How's the relationship dynamic with all three of your boys? It's great. So um, there's two and a quarter years between my first and my second. So my my firstborn is eight and a half and my my number two is six and a half. Um, And they are just best friends. They've always been best buddies. They get on really well. They play together. You know, I can't even go for a walk with them and have a conversation because they're involved in this imaginative play and they're, you know, off fighting dragons or, you know, building stuff in their minds and, you know, bringing their computer games into their real life stories. And then we have um, my Josiah, who is is nearly two. um, And they have a really different relationship with him. They're quite nurturing. Um, My eldest is really nurturing with him. He can't play with them yet, so it's a really different dynamic. Um, he does annoy them a little bit, but I think it is what you make it. So we can make it a problem that there's an age gap, or we can make it a problem that we have a middle child, or we can just deal with it in the way that, you know, the best way we know how. So we have lots of people who are like, oh, yeah, Judah's like this. He's a classic middle child. And I'm like, he was like that when there was only two. Like, I don't do that whole middle child thing. I'm not you know, I'm not having that kind of negative connotation spoken over them. And we're really um, protective about how we speak about them and their relationship. And I think it really pays off. Um, So yeah, we do lots of we're brothers together. We're good friends. We encourage each other. Um, And it is paying off. They do really love each other. Um, Josiah kind of walks around and pats them on the head and you know, just shows his love that way. Um, Jude is very physical for hugs and, and stuff like that. So he loves a good cuddle. Caleb likes a bit of his own space. So we'll kind of, you know, when you get a hug from him, you know, he means it. Um, and it's it's lovely raising boys with different personalities because they blend really well. Yeah. I love the fact that you and James, your husband, are very intentional of what is spoken over your boys even though that you know some people may have said some negativity about oh he's just a middle child but you really are intentional and you affirm them and um, that is so important and very key as parents because coming from the upbringing and that that I came from there was a lot of comparison between my sisters and I and that really damaged um, my confidence and always made me feel that I had to I had to compete with my sisters in order to be approved or in order to be accepted and that is not that is not that that was not right and I I, I can't but to be honest with you I can't really blame um my parents because they may have done what they had emulated from their own upbringing yeah. And they, I, don't know. and they don't did they didn't know any better but I believe that now you know coming into the truth and into the knowledge of Christ I have an opportunity to break that barrier and to set a new standard and yeah. say that no you know my child is not that way as the world thinks I set the boundaries I set the tone mm. 
I set how I want their characters to be. And so therefore I choose to speak life and choose to speak words of positivity that will help to nurture them and help to grow them. And one of the things that, you know, my husband and I intentionally do is to appraise their characters as in like, you know, you are kind, you are courageous, even though at times they they may not act like it or loving (laughs) towards each other. We affirm what we want them to be. And what we want them to do. And I believe that it's important to cultivate the unity between siblings, because I believe um, that unity and friendship starts from home. Friendship doesn't just start from outside. And unity has to be a foundation within our home. And that includes the love surrounding it. And if we're able to show that love to our children, then it would be easier for them to love each other. And it will be easier for our children to be able to love other people that they come into contact with outside. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. You know, we do a lot of um, they are different. All their personalities are different and they're good at different things or they are good at the same things, but in different ways. And I think you know, there's that line between healthy competition and negative comparison. And we try really hard to kind of just have that really fine balance of, you know, it's okay that he's a bit better at that than you, or it's okay that he's good at that um, without putting the other one down or making one feel bad. Um, And, you know, I don't always get that right, but it's, it's something that we, um, you know, we work hard for. And we have a lot of conversations around that kind of stuff. You know, I've got one who's very introverted. I've got one who's more extroverted. And, you know, he wants to play with his brother all the time. And, you know, he doesn't want to play with him sometimes. And it's like, that's okay. And I guess it's just being, it's being protective of what they all need in their own individual space while cultivating that relationship where they're together. Good fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's good fun. (laughs) It's good fun, but hard work, isn't it? (laughs) Do you stay at home looking after your boys or do you also do external work outside of your home? So I have always worked um, since I've had my children for the church. Um, so I work in our church office um, and currently um, I'm currently on furlough, but currently working one day a week, um, which I have done um, for quite a while in the office doing admin and, you know, whatever's needed, really. Um, and I love it. I love that little bit of space that means I'm not just a mum. And while being a mum is my my main priority, and I love being a mum, and I love being home with the boys, and I feel very privileged and grateful that I can do that. Um, You know, we've worked our finances so that I can be home, um, and it's a choice that we've made. So we sacrifice other things so that I can be at home with them. Um, So my two eldest are at school, or are normally at school they haven't been since March but it's been a real blessing to you know be home with them and just have precious quality time to invest in them um but you know having that one day a week where I'm not mummy is also really lovely so it's a good balance for us right now and you know we'll see where we go in the future as they grow up they don't need me so much and how were you able to balance work and being at home with your children yeah, so I'm I'm really blessed that I have an extraordinary amount of flexibility within my job role um, and I'm really well looked after. So I get to be in the office um, 
and I get to do some of my hours from home and I get to be a bit flexible around school holidays so that I can manage childcare because none of our family are here. So um, it's not like I can just get my mum to pop over and look after them all day every week. So um, we balance it with, you know, with the flexibility that I am blessed with or my husband will take a day off and you know, that's real quality time for him with the kids then. And I go to work and he gets to be, you know, stay at home dad for a day, which, which he enjoys too. Um, yeah. Um, and since Josiah was one, he's been with a childminder just a day a week, which is a really good experience for him as well. Um, so we've been doing that for a while. Um, yeah. So we try and make it a really positive thing and, you know, the boys love to, you know, love talking about mommy's job and that, you know, the work that mommy does. And um, I think for me, that's also important for them to see that, yes, my main priority is to look after them and to invest in them. But also, you know, they're not the center of my universe. I do have other things and I do get to use my giftings and my calling in other places. And they totally understand that. Um, and they love to see me go off to work and, and do my mum my mom stuff when I get back. So it's, it's a good balance for us. Is there a moment or an event that radically changed the way you saw the world? How did this affect you? Did it cause you to parent differently? You know, there are lots of things that go on in the world that make you take stock because as a parent, you just want to protect your kids forever, right? And you want them to be in this cocoon of happy life and Every now and again, something happens and you realize that the world is not like that. Um, so, you know, with COVID, we've had to have a different mindset in how we parent and how we're around our kids. Um, but I guess, you know, most recently, um, the stuff with um, George Floyd and racism and just recognizing what an impact that still has in our society has been a real eye-opener and a real game-changer for how I want to bring up my boys. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I know that racism is around. I have a lot of black friends. I have a lot of ethnic minority friends. And we talk. I hear their experiences. And, but I think more recently it's just become, because it's been so highlighted by the media and because we've been having conversation with our friends, I just began to realize how subtle it is in society still. So, you know, there are, we've had conversations with friends who are saying, you know, we've been sat outside in the car just having a conversation and the police have been called on us because a neighbor has been suspicious because we're black. And I'm like, it, you know, it, I know that that happens, but I don't, I don't think that we've really picked up on how prevalent it is. And even, you know, in, in our country and in our culture and in our middle class town that we live in. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been a bit of a shocker, really, to to recognize how much it is there. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'm hearing things on TV and I'm seeing things on, you know, slightly older TV shows. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how on earth has that been allowed to be put on TV? And it's it's jokes or just sly comments and actually what I'm realizing is is that it has an impact on my unconscious thinking so I will have an opinion on something just because it's it's just always been there um and I've realized that it's it's seeping into my kids 
so you know my eldest was watching something on tv recently and it was a cartoon and um they were talking about like some kind of um pop star coming for a visit and the pla- that there was like an airplane coming in and there was this pop star about to come out and the pop star came out of the plane and stood waving to the crowd and he said and actually she was black so in the cartoon this pop star was black and Caleb said to me mummy i really thought that that pop star was going to have blonde hair because pop stars have blonde hair and i'm like wow like you know, where have you learned this? And it's just that they're seeing it. They're seeing that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not even, you know, just stuff like that. He said to me recently, I just thought nurses were girl doctors. And mm. there's this unconscious bias that just seeps in. And, you know, I have to be aware as a parent of that, of that in me and of that in society and of that in what they're watching and hearing. And I need to break it. Because, you know, this this stuff is not going to stop unless we are intentional about stopping it. And it's really hard when you have all these inbred things in you that you do or you say and you don't even realize. Um, So, you know, my prayer recently has been, God, just show me. Show me those moments when in the past I have done and I've spent some time, you know, apologizing to some of my black friends for some of the stuff that I have unintentionally said to them Mm. because no or I didn't realize and you know we've been I've just you know I've just been thinking about some conversations I've had or some of the ways I've been with friends and people that I don't know and you know I think there needs to be a real balance between I'm interested in other cultures and I'm Mm. so blessed to have so many people in my life from so many different backgrounds and cultures and countries and you know being in quite a multicultural church we have friends from all over the world and I'm interested but I need to be really careful between that line of I'm interested and I'm causing offense okay Um, and I think if I know people well enough I can ask them when I say this to you is it offensive because I want to learn for someone who I don't know so well so I want to be teaching that to my kids. Yes, ask. Ask someone, why is your skin that colour? Because it's important to recognise the differences. But without coming across as condemning or belittling someone. And I really want to teach my kids how to do that well. Um, and I think, I think it's, I just think it's so important that we recognise the differences between each other and we celebrate them. and we use them to teach our kids that all people are equal and they are different and that's okay yeah Um, and you know when all this stuff was really was really um prevalent in the media I was talking to my boys and I was just just trying to work out a way to explain to them what was going on in a way that would teach them well so I just said to them you know how would you feel if somebody treated you different because your eyes are blue so one of them's got blue eyes one of them's got hazel eyes and you know, how would you feel if someone treated your brother differently because his eyes aren't, aren't blue? Or how would you feel if you were treated this way because your hair is blonde? And they were like, why would anyone treat anyone different because of the way that their hair colour is? Or why, like, I would be cross, mum, if someone thought that I was, you know, do, I was not as good or well-behaved because my eyes are blue. That's not okay, mum. 
So I, it was a real opener for me to say to them, do you know what? Some kids, they're automatically, especially boys, you know, some boys whose skin is a different colour to yours, people think they're bad because their skin is this colour or people think this because, you know, their hair looks like this. And they were, they were really shocked, but it opened up a really good conversation between me and them about racism and how we need to, you know, respect people and love people um, and, you know, understand and appreciate cultural differences. And we, we continue to have these conversations. And I think that's the thing. It's having the conversation and it's not being frightened of it and not brushing it under the carpet. And it's changing um, a generational mindset. You know, I grew up with grandparents who have very different views because of the generation that they're in. And it easily seeps in. And I know that I've heard stuff in my family that is not okay. And as a child, I didn't know that. So it has become, you know, it, it just becomes a norm, doesn't it? And, and, and now, if I was to hear that from anyone, I would be like, you need to stop. You know, I'm not going to have this in my world and in my children's world because that's not what I want for their future. It's, it's not about being not racist. It's about being anti-racist. Mm. It's, about, it's about listening for those things that are not okay and just saying, no, we're not having that. We're not having that culture. We're not having that thought process. And understanding the unconscious bias, you know, that we carry. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and I think it is really important to put your hand up and say, do you know what, I've got stuff wrong. I think honesty, especially around children, is really important. Um, and, you know, there are things, you know, when I think about my boys and who they marry, I don't automatically think then, you know, I until recently I haven't really thought any different than they'll just marry a white girl because of, just because that's what they'll do. But why would they not just marry whoever they fall in love with and how mm-hmm. great would they be? And you know, I, I've got friends who are white who are marrying, um, you know, African Africans or, you know, people from different cultures. And I just think they have a whole minefield ahead of them because their kids are going to be mixed race. And why should that matter? Why should that be a problem? But it is. And I just I find that really hard that we have to prepare ourselves or prepare our kids or you know I've got friends who are like do you know what when I give my you know when I give my name for an interview I'm automatically up against it because I have an African name you know it's 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 massive and you don't realize you know I've never thought about that and I haven't given my kids like the most British of names so you know it's never crossed my mind like (laughs) It's funny you said that because I remember even in school, some people thought that I was adopted because I was the darkest out of both my sisters. And it made me feel as though that I never fitted in. And we shouldn't differentiate ourselves because of our colors. We need to accept each other and love each other as we are. You know, one color is no more inferior or dominating than the other. We are all equal (laughs) in the eyes of the creator who created us. So therefore, why do we 
seem to think that we have the power to be able to, you know, bring a lot of division and separation within the human race just because of color. Um, really wrong. And that's why it's important, even for us as parents, that when we notice this systematic injustice that is happening in our world, we need to take it as a educational tool to actually educate our children and to, and to keep affirming them in their uniqueness, not in just how they look, but more so their character, because I believe that character will um, take you far in life. And once we're able to train them up, as the, as the Bible says, train them up in the ways of God and they will not depart from it. And I think that one of the training is to, again, as we talked about before, to build unity in our home, to, to let our children know that you are no better than your brother. Um, we love you as equally as we love your brother. You both have different characteristics and you both look different, but that doesn't mean that one person is more better than the other. And I think we need to break those barriers of um, division in our culture, in our family dynamic and as a society as a whole. Yeah, I agree. And we need to be having these conversations and not hiding away from from it. Um, And I think, I guess for me as a white person, sometimes I'm quite afraid to approach some of my black friends about it because I don't want to offend them because historically there has been so much hurt and pain. But actually what I'm finding is my black friends want to talk about this because it becomes a healing process for them. And they want to know that there are white people out there who want to understand and they want to get this right. Um, and, you know, and it's rubbish because we shouldn't have to be getting this right because we should just be, you know, nobody comes up to my kids and says, oh, you know, oh, you know, oh, he's got really light. We have discussions about their skin complexions, but it's never a, you know, it's never really a thing. No one comes up to my kid and is like, oh, look at his, you know, white, white skin. Like no one does that. But yet we will do that to our black friends. And I think there's this line, isn't there, between like enjoying the beauty of someone who is different to you and not realizing actually because of history, it's a problem. And a lot of people, I think, will go, well, I'm not being racist. I'm not being, you know, I'm not being offensive. But actually, because there's a hurt that that goes generation and it's a spiritual hurt as well as a physical one. Um, you know, for me, I love to celebrate the differences that my friends have, but I also don't want to cross that and bringing up wounds. Um, but I want them to talk to me about that. You know, I'm hearing some deep, deep wounds from my friends and from their history. And, you know, we're starting to, my husband and I, uh, I've, I've watched some documentaries about, you know, systematic racism and it's horrendous and we don't know because it's not taught to us we're having to go out and find it and know where to look and know who to talk to and if it's not retaught you know there's it's we're stuck aren't we and I think for me and the boys I want to be teaching them this stuff and I want to be teaching them to respect other cultures and yes ask them um 
you know, Caleb has grown up with um, one of my friend's little girls and they are Ghanaian. And, you know, they're be- beautiful, beautiful family, three girls. So they have the three girls. And we don't see each other as much as, you know, I haven't seen them for a long time. But, you know, Caleb and this little girl used to be best buddies. And I've got photos of them sitting together and holding hands and walking along as toddlers. And it's beautiful because actually they didn't know there was any difference between each other. They were just friends. And it's like somewhere along the line, they learn that there's difference. And we just have to learn how to handle it well, because, you know, yes, there are differences between boys and girls. And we can talk about those differences. And there are differences between, you know, a kid with blonde hair and a kid with dark hair. We can talk about those differences quite easily, but it's the hurt and the pain that comes with the racism stuff that doesn't come with a kid who's got brown hair and a kid who's got blonde hair. It's really different. It's a different comparison. And I think that's the thing that I'm learning. It's the it's the historic, it's what your grandparents, your great grandparents, your great great grandparents have been through that needs to be respected and it needs to be um, healed and it needs to be resolved. I want to be a part of the healing journey and I want to do what I need to do. And, you know, culture breeds culture. So I'm changing a culture in my family so that my boys grow up not having, you know, this bias, hopefully, that just means they see people as different. I don't know. It's a it's a it's such a massive topic, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It is. I'm just so passionate about getting it right. And I don't, I, I don't know how to, you know, navigate this all the time, but I want to get it right. And I'm having those conversations with friends who can help me and say, you know what, don't say this, do say this to kids this. Okay. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the multicultural family that I have. And the boys love it. They love learning about different cultures and eating different cultured foods. And, you know, we all, you know, all of us do in this house. Yeah. It's a thing and it's a privilege. Uh, you know, it's, it opens our minds to the fact that the world is much, much bigger than just the town I live in. Mm, that's true. Wow. And you know what? You are doing a great job by starting by seeking knowledge and understanding from the different cultures in order to teach your children about these differences and you know yeah so well done to you for doing that one of the things that I wanted to touch on when you were speaking about the George Floyd situation I saw an abuse of power from the police officer and it got to me as a parent that am I abusing the power that God has given to me upon these children? Because it is so important that I am trying to raise them up in the ways of God and not in the ways of this world, because it's easy to be so controlling and manipulative in order to get them to do what you want. But that is not healthy and that is not the way of God. I think when you are in a situation when you are in fear, I think you can react in ways that are controlling. Um, And I look at that police officer and, you know, because of his mindset of what black men are like, he, you know, I mean, I can't speak for him, can I? But, you know, there is a, it it looks like there is a fear of this man's going to have a gun. This man's going to do this. This man's going to do this. Therefore, I am frightened for myself. Therefore, I am going to execute my authority. Um, that's you know how I have seen that so I think sometimes for me I can be in a situation perhaps where I am fearful of a behavior or I'm fearful that they are going to do something 
And that's when you have that moment of, I'm just going to say, you can't do this if you do that. Or, you know, you end up, you know, getting cross at them or shouting at them or, you know, responding in a way that you, you don't really want to. Um, because it's easier to stamp your authority on them because you're bigger than them and you're, you know, stronger than them and you're braver than them. And, um, and I guess, you know, that's not how I want to parent. And that's not how I, that's not how I parent. But, you know, we have those moments, don't we, where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm losing control here and I need to have them all in line and to behave. And I think it comes down to fear. Um, and I guess for me, one of the most important things is, you know, when I get stuff wrong with them is to come back and apologize and explain mummy felt a bit like this and I was a bit worried about and to recognize why I, you know, I'm so sorry that I got cross with you for that. Actually, I've just had a really long day of telling you, please don't do that. And I've just lost it because I'm tired and I've said it lots of times. And my gosh, how many times I've had to apologize for, you know, we all do it, right? We've responded the wrong way. And it's, for me, it's about, it's that learning curve of being open and honest with them. Um, and I don't want to abuse the authority that God has given me. And I don't want to trample on their little hearts and say, you know, because mummy is mummy and I'm the grown up, you have to do this. I want to be able to nurture and, cult and, and create a culture where they can get stuff wrong and they can you know, come to me with a problem or they can feel safe to, you know, explode if they're feeling, you know, sad or rubbish or, and I'm not going to end up as some kind of controlling monster that tells them they can't feel this way or they can't act this way because they're feeling scared or they're feeling worried. Um, so yeah, you know, like you said earlier, that whole being really intentional about how you parent. And I think you need to be really intentional, intentional about not becoming a controlling parent because it's an easy easy path to go down I think um I agree. yeah I agree perfect love casts out all fear when you were speaking about fear that scripture came to mind your faith means a lot to you can you tell us how this has helped in the way you raised your boys I guess for me it's been a bit of a journey for me to have my kids um I have some issues that mean that it was difficult to carry them and give birth to them um so I ended up with three quite major cesareans to get them all out safely and my faith has been a part of that journey since before they were born really so I guess it's something that I've always wanted to bring into their lives and something that I've always needed um you know I can't do this journey on my own I can't do it well on my own and you know it's that whole you know that what we've just discussed you know fearfulness I don't want to be living fearfully as a parent I want to have God's perspective as a parent so therefore I need to be in relationship with him and I need to be um, asking him for help and wisdom and bringing him into the relationship I have with my kids I guess um, so I don't feel like I'm doing it on my own which is a privilege and a big relief um you know knowing that you've got you know father god on your side you know king of heaven helping your parent you know that's a winner right um and yeah i guess my my faith makes me more intentional about how i parent because i want to bring them up in god's way um so i want to study how can i be a good parent how can i be a godly parent um you know how does god parent me what am I teaching my kids about Father God as I parent them? 
what do I need to go back and apologize for? What do I need to go back and redo? How do I need to change my mindset as a parent to be in line with what God wants? Um, and I guess, yeah, just recognizing that they are gifts um, and they're not mine to keep forever and they are not the center of my universe. They are, you know, these people that God has entrusted me with to build and to grow and to, you know, I guess co-parent with him into these warriors that they are going to become and the men of God that, you know, we're speaking out the men of God that we are going to have, because that's, that's the life that we want for them. Um, yeah. So, you know, having, having that every day where I can be like, Oh Jesus, just help me, help me to navigate this one. Help me, you know, and I guess what we call them quick fire prayers, right? When one of your kid asks asks like a a question you don't know how to answer and like, Jesus, help me quick. Um, Or, you know, they do something and you're like, oh, Lord, help me with this. You know, um, so just having that, having having God by my side to to parent, I think. And, you know, my husband also, you know, I'm just raising our boys in a godly way is, is really important to us. How do you want your boys to remember you? Oh, um, I think, you know, we all have that. Like, I want my kids to remember, like, a really awesome childhood and, you know, a really fun parent who let them do whatever they wanted. And um, But I think I want them to remember me as a mum who loved them, first and foremost, and who had their backs. You know, I will often say to my boys, if you've got a problem at school, you let me know and I will be in. I've got your back. I will deal with that. I will deal with that teacher, you know, Um, uh, because I want them to be confident in knowing that mum has them. You know, you know, I'm the biggest cheerleader and I want them to grow up and look back and say, you know, you were my biggest cheerleader. You believed in me when no one else would. You had faith in me. You you created an environment for me to learn well. You know, so alongside all that fun stuff, which is what they want right now, when they're adults, they're going to want and look back and remember a mum who did give them good boundaries and good discipline and a good start of life and, you know, a good discipline for their faith. And yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I want them to remember me for is is for setting them up for their future. So yeah, no pressure, hey? Wow, no, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. How can people connect with you? Um, Instagram, Facebook. You can you can chuck my email address in the in the bio if you like. I'm more than happy to continue this conversation with people and you know answer questions or yeah. Thank you so much, Haley. We really appreciate you being here. Doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope that you were encouraged. Please do share this with your friends or family and do come back for next week's episode. Bye for now.